You're tuning in to the Black Hollywood Live Network, featuring news, interviews, and commentary on all things Black Hollywood. Hollywood redefined. From Los Angeles, California, streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is Black Hollywood Live. Justice is served. Featuring the week's roundup and commentary on legal news. Black Hollywood Live. Hollywood redefined. You're listening to Black Hollywood Live. And now, the host for Black Hollywood Live, Justice is served. Hello and welcome to today's pre-Thanksgiving uh, episode of Justice is Served. My name is Chelsea Galicia, a almost retired, did I tell you this? Yeah. Almost retired, woohoo! <laughs> uh, workers' compensation attorney right here in L.A. I am joined by my co-host, Shaka, so I almost called you Shaka Strong, your Twitter oh, handle, <laughs> Shaka Smith. Um, he comes to us from... Well, he lives here now in L.A., but he was born in Miami, Princeton undergrad, uh, law school in D.C., and then moved out to L.A. to pursue acting and uh, fitness modeling, but still has a great legal mind and lots of good opinions to share. And that's what we do right here on Justice is Served every week, giving you our thoughts and analysis on the week's legal news. Uh, today, I, I wish we had like a lighter version of stories to cover, but we've got some intense stories that I think are important to cover. Two really massive um, police brutality cases that we got to talk about. The first one being about Laquan McDonald. Now, he died a year ago. And that's part of the story is that it has taken so long for justice to be served. And I'm not even sure we can say justice is served when it's taken this long. But the backstory on this is that he was um, killed by an officer. There is video of this. And the video did not come out for 13 months. In fact, it just came out the other day, like on Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday. And, and that was only after months and months of like court battles to get it released. Some media outlets that wished it to be released under the Freedom of Information Act had a filed suit. The city and even some of the victim's family members didn't want it released. Um, the mayor, Rahm Emanuel, was one who, uh, this happened in Chicago, said that it should not be released um, pending investigation and all that kind of other stuff that we hear all the time. Uh, then finally, a judge said enough is enough and ordered it to be released by today. They sent it out early. And then, wouldn't you know it, but a day or two before the video is released, they announced, oh yes, the officer who shot him, Jason Van Dyke, is going to be charged with first-degree murder. I think this is the first time that we have covered a case where not only was the officer charged, but it was with first-degree murder, which is a big deal. It, it means that there was some premeditation involved. So... Now the video is out, and um, we're, we're going to share that with you. Of course, we want to warn you that it is uh, graphic, uh, and if you wish to not see it, now would be a good time to, to turn away. But we think it is important uh, for people to see it if they are able to. So let's, let's roll that. So they released the video, and uh, a, like the first four minutes of it is just the guy you know, driving down the street because it's a dash cam video. And here you see uh, Laquan McDonald walking down the street. He's said to be carrying like a three to four inch knife or something. 
You see there. And that's the first shot. And then 15 more after this are fired. Yeah. So it's just stunning. Well, what's stunning to me right now at this point is that he is moving. And I and you just see another bullet, I think, go in him if that's what that smoke meant. And the officers come in to kick away the, the knife, we presume. And then, and then that's it. Then they leave him there. And then I have read that he didn't die until later that night, which means he is alive right here. And nobody, there were said to be at least seven other officers besides the officer who pulled the trigger that were on the scene. Nobody provided assistance. Nobody checked on him at all. So much about this to be offended by. It's just completely outrageous. So 16 bullets is, you know, significant, not just because it's a lot, because... That is all the bullets that you have yeah. in, in that in that gun. So I, I wonder how many times he would have fired had he had more rounds yeah. in the gun. But it's pretty obvious to to me at least. I don't know if I've heard that anybody else saw this guy being threatening in any manner. Did you see that? Uh, not in this tape, but it, regardless of if, if he was threatening before, in this case, this tape clearly shows him walking away at the time he was shot. And I think that's what's disturbing. And then the, the police officer continued to shoot him after he was down. Right. Apparently, he was shot 14 or so times after he had fallen down yeah. to the ground and was clearly a threat to nobody. I think when we're seeing him walking down the street, officers might be yelling for him to stop, yeah. maybe to drop the knife, and he doesn't comply. He kind of ignores them, but isn't walking towards anybody, running towards anybody. Yeah, it seems to be out of any zone of danger of any other, you know, any other people. So I, I can't see how it would be justifiable that a reasonable officer could think that his own life or the life of other officers or the community was in danger at the time, and that's a standard. But that's apparently yeah. what this uh, officer's attorney is saying, is that he, he had a real, genuine, authentic belief that people's lives were in danger. Yeah, and I, I, just, I don't see how you could um, ascertain that from the video, given the fact that he had a knife and he was so far away from everybody else. And and it's not like the officer had been on the scene for a long time and seen that things were escalating. In fact, this officer had only gotten there less than 30 seconds before he started shooting. Yeah. So it, not, none of that makes sense to me. So that's a, the first part that of this case that's unbelievable. And then, uh, so this happened last October, October 20th, 2014. And then in April of this year, without the family filing any lawsuit, the city of Chicago pays the family $5 million. Yeah, no, no, um, it, there was no, no, no wrongdoing um, that they professed. They just gave them the money because they wanted to settle this quickly. I mean, what is there? There wasn't even anything to settle at that moment because yeah. there had been no, no lawsuit, suit. nothing. So uh, so $5 million just gets handed over like that, yet it takes another, what is it, April to November, meant too many months, for the video to finally be released. Yeah. Why and, so and, long? Yeah, I would say, you know, let's talk about what they did right. They, I think they were right in giving this $5 million without having to have the family um, pursue um, legal means. I think it's right that this guy was charged with murder, murder one at this stage. So we do have a few things the city is doing correct. Um, the question is, why was the video delayed for so long? And I think it was because of 
the blatant um, misconduct and wrongdoing that was on the video. My assessment of it was that it was going to be a gruesome, gory video the way they had kind of talked about it and withholding it. But what surprises me is that the video simply shows wrongdoing. And if that if they're using it as a standard to withhold dash cams or body cams, uh, I think we need to be very wary about who's making the internal decisions to withhold um, these videos. Yeah, this is the next controversy in all these videos is, as we've talked about before, is yeah. what is the public's right to see it and when are they going to be released. I think it's very interesting the timing that the officer was charged only like a day or two before the release of the video and what because it took 13 months to look at that video and see that the officer had done wrong I mean let's switch positions here what if that was an officer that had been killed oh the video would have been out right away would it have taken 13 months to charge somebody with that officer's murder if that's how it had gone down so this is why it makes no sense to me and I am completely um, empathetic to the people's frustration that they've been complaining about police officers for a long time. I think the city of Chicago must have some sort of world record for oh, amount yeah, of complaints. Exactly. Yeah, they, they, they what, 953 for that particular precinct? Right, and then I was reading that it was like they've paid out $500 million or so. That's half a billion dollars in the last 10 years for brutality yeah, uh, force, claims yeah. and, and things like that. So the city of Chicago has a lot of work it has to, to do. I think there was a lot of hope when uh, Rahm Emanuel became mayor, and then I I, I, I have no idea what, what happened to this man that I, I thought, thought was going to... Kind of leading on these issues, yeah. Right, and, and not at all. He, in fact, was believed to... Um, be one of the ones fighting the release of this video, and then when the judge said you got to release it, was going to well, I, I think, appeal that. I, I think 13 months ago, you still had kind of the fire of Ferguson and um, a lot of these brutality, um, a lot of these protests going on. I think he probably wanted to prevent that. So I do understand. Yeah, here's how you prevent it: you charge the officer with first degree murder. Yeah, so I do understand maybe delaying the public release of the video, but. The officer should have been charged long ago. This video should have maybe been in camera in the courts. You know, This guy has been not just out yeah. for the last 13 months, this officer. He's been working, yeah. desk duty, but still working, working yeah. m- m- earning money from taxpayers yeah. while he should have been sitting in jail. Yeah, so I, I think the, the delay of the release is definitely troubling. I think it's something they need to target. But what is uh, heartening is that they charged him before they released the video. And I think that speaks to the recognition that a lot of these protests aren't necessarily about the wrongdoing of cops um, to um, these these black um, the people that are alleging have char- you know have committed some sort of crime. It's really about the justice system. After yes, we are targeting the way um, there's brutality, excessive force amongst the police. However, what is more troubling is that once it's recognized, it's not dealt with quickly and fairly. Absolutely. And so I think it's really, uh, it's a step in the right direction to see this guy charged and it's definitely yeah. a step in the right direction to see the family get this, this money right This was so away. angering to me that I'm like, I'm not going to Chicago. Not, yeah. I mean, I don't know what one person not going to a city is going to do. And, and if I had that standard for every city, <laughs> I might not ever You're go not anywhere. But this is really, I, I mean, I just don't get it. I mean, the police union came out and uh, said... Something that trying to defend the officer um, that he was out of, he shot him out of fear of his life, you know I mean it's just such 
BS. Yeah. And and they tell us this over and over and they expect us to believe it. Like, I'm offended that they think that I'm going to buy that for Especially a second. Especially in the wake of this video with this kind of evidence. I, I, I just, I, I, can't, I can't believe that. I would really love to see a journalist interview Rahm Emanuel, other people in the city of Chicago, and really press them. Why did it take 13 months? And after the mayor gives you the first, like, well, we must complete our investigation, and then, you know, whatever that whole line is going to be, then say, no, really. If this had been the other way around, if that was an officer that got shot, how long would it have taken for somebody to be charged with first-degree murder? And why wasn't that the case here? Really. And uh, because only, I think, when people are held accountable, maybe in in the public eye, that Something will, will change. I, I don't know. This is this case is very frustrating to me, and this is a, 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 a serious tragedy. And unfortunately, we have yet another similar story to talk about. This is Jamar Clark, who died on the 16th, so about a week and a half ago. Uh, this was in Minneapolis, and he was uh, allegedly involved in some sort of domestic violence incident. Police showed up for that, and then he... Uh, Jamar apparently was interfering, perhaps, with what paramedics were doing. Uh, It's not very clear because on this, no video has been released. And somehow he ends up shot, I believe, in the head, like over the eye, dead. Uh, Officers saying he was lunging for the gun. Some eyewitnesses saying, no, he was handcuffed at the time. So, again, another similar mess. Tragedy. That, that again is troubling because those are two very different accounts: lunging for the gun and being handcuffed at the time. And so eyewitnesses are saying he was handcuffed at the time, but again, we don't have the video, and hopefully, it will not be the release will not be delayed like we saw in the previous case. Yeah, I, I won't hold my breath. So there were two officers that were involved in the shooting: Mark Ringenberg and Dustin Schwartz, and they're both on administrative leave. Authorities haven't said which of the two officers were the one that actually pulled the trigger. But here's the other um, big tragedy with this case, and I think it's almost as tragic as the death in the first place, mm-hmm. is that apparently some white supremacists showed up to Black Lives Movement rally protest in support of um, justice for Jamar. Yeah, wearing masks. Right. And shot five people. Yeah. And nothing is more infuriating than somebody trying to intimidate and threaten the life of people who are protesting. Yeah, peaceful protest. It was just, uh, and the fact that they should have been masked, it kind of really revives that whole feeling of the KKK that we've had here before. Except now they're using, you know, 21st century social media. They had uh, posted videos on YouTube saying ridiculous things. I don't even want to repeat it. Uh, But just, even if you're, even if you're racist, you're a bad American for doing that because you are impeding people's freedom of expression. That is what this country is founded on. Yeah. And so how dare you try and intimidate and harm people? You know, I want to, you know, to protest things. And I, I, I don't want at all the fear of being killed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because they could have protested right right across the street, right alongside, and protested that protest, but they chose to use violence instead. Just uh, and and I, I understand that three people have been arrested in connection with this. Mm-hmm. I hope that it's taken really seriously yeah. by all the 
the the police department and uh, I, I mean just KKK knock I mean yeah. it's just it's, it's just not okay I mean you you can have you can even have your racist views yeah. I don't even care about that yeah. I mean if that's not right but you have the right in this country to have yeah. those and views. to express them to go across the street and protest and do you know peacefully as well but um, I think what's more disturbing is I think part of it has grown out of um, the way the media has polarized us with when it comes to the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, you know, you see you see a lot about this all lives matter, not just Black Lives Matter, and they they stoke uh, I think amongst the public this idea that when you say Black Lives Matter, it means that all lives don't matter. And they never I, said that. And I think what people are missing is that. The Black Lives Matter movement is in response to people, to black people feeling that black lives do not matter. Not that other lives don't matter. We feel like we're not part of the conversation, so we want to elevate that and say black lives do matter as well as the other lives that do. I I totally understand that. I think any reasonable person would interpret it this way. Any reasonable, uh, informed person. person, Exactly. And I think the media kind of has stoked that fire. So you get these kids who are saying, you know, why is it just black lives? Our lives matter too. So they feel they have to kind of, they, they don't start have to feel your marginalized. own protest if you yeah. have something to protest. But, you know, this one I, I think is perfectly valid. I think that we need to pay attention and I feel so helpless. I mean, I, I, I feel hopefully in some small way that we're doing our part here yeah. by talking about it, elevating the conversation around it, trying to hold people accountable. Um, and so I, yeah, I think a lot of it is kind of media responsibility about how they are talking about these issues and how they're portraying them. I mean, even if they talk about them at all in the yeah. first place, and I mean, just just no more of these violence against protesters themselves, just completely unacceptable. Um, all right, so now we're going to do a complete break from this <laughs> tense topic and turn to a message from. Our sponsor. We have our DraftKings live read. Your season-long fantasy football team may be going strong, but you don't have to wait until week 16 to get paid. Put your fantasy skills to the test every week this season at DraftKings.com, America's favorite one-week fantasy football site. One-week fantasy means no season-long commitments. Got an injured player? No problem. It's like a new season every week, so you're never stuck with the same players. And get this, DraftKings is crowning a new millionaire every week this season. You could turn your love of football into a life-changing payday. Just pick your players, pile up the points, and pick up your cash. That's it. Believe me, you've never experienced football like this. This isn't fantasy football. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. Hurry to DraftKings.com now and use promo code GEEK to play free for a shot at $1 million in this week's Millionaire Maker event. Enter GEEK, G-E-E-K, for free entry now at DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. Thank you. Beautiful. <laughs> All right. Now to another frustrating story for me. Man, I'm really frustrated this week. Yeah, Hopefully wow. some turkey will do me some good. <laughs> okay. This one is the sentencing of Jared Fogle, the old Subway pitch man guy who lost a bunch of weight eating Subway sandwiches. Um, Which may have been a bad thing. So, Well, apparently, because he's trying to say that because he replaced his... No. Because he no longer had food to rely on for his compulsive eating habit, he yeah. then became a pedophile? Yes, that, that is what his lawyers or, did try to... Or he had sexual compulsivities that replaced the eating compulsivities. Exactly. So as we've covered on the show before, 
he um, struck a deal with prosecutors over child pornography and having sex with minors. And this deal that he struck, he was supposed to get anywhere between 5 and 12 years. That's what the deal said. The deal was that the pros- that the defense wouldn't ask for less than 5 and prosecutors wouldn't ask for more than 12. Yeah. And in this case, the judge gave 15. So how do we get to 15? Yeah, so I, I don't think a lot of, I don't know if people know this, but when you have a plea deal, the judge is not held to that to that deal. They typically follow the deal, but they're never actually bound to that deal themselves. And Jared knew that. Yeah, I mean, at least, that. well, I can't say exactly what he knew, but yeah. it was well known that yeah. they were not stuck with that. Yeah, but you, and but most judges typically will go with the with the plea deal. Um, here I think it was great that the judge said, you know, I'm going to go a little bit beyond the plea deal and go 15 years, 8 months. I don't know where they got that figure from, but the question is, is it enough? Or, or He could have faced a possible 50 years. Um, and I, I th- would have given him a 50% discount, maybe, but... Yeah, I, I I don't know how they how they got there. Well, I think he made well. One of the lawyers um, in his to defense said, "Well, the minors were really sixteen, seventeen. It wasn't that young." That is insane. Um, I, I think that's I think that's a troubling defense. At the same time, I do understand it as a lot of states definitely have higher um, higher sentencing guidelines. Maybe if Jared was eighteen, nineteen, yeah, maybe I, yeah. tw- I don't know, maybe yeah. twenty. I but he's a what a thirty seven, thirty eight year yes. old man who's been doing this for for. A long time yeah, so with many, the, and he and these were child prostitutes, and so they're they're I mean already sort of victims, and then he's you know victimizing them again. Obviously, yeah. he uh, and, and while having a foundation to help you know fight obesity, and I do think the fact that they were consenting, technically consenting, um, did probably obviate some of the. The years, I maybe, but I maybe that's true in the eyes of the law. But really, yeah. can a a sixteen year old prostitute really consent? I, I think absolutely no way. Um, I am again offended by this. <laughs> but I do, I do think it brings into when you say fifteen years and eight months is the sentence. But why? You know, is our prison system rehabilitative? Is that like the standard amount of time to rehabilitate someone? No, and someone? this kind of and crime that. has high recidivism. Exactly, and so, so I think it kind of turns the eye on the prison system. I think to some degree, and we have to start to wonder exactly how does the sentence correlate with rehabilitating this individual to be released again to society? I, I, because I, presumably he's made enough money that when he comes out, he'll still have you know quite a bit of cash and. You know, he'll have the means to do a lot of different things. Maybe. And, you know. I mean, he's paid out $1.4 million to the victim, so that's like $100,000 per victim. Yeah. Probably not nearly enough for the amount of, you know, therapy and healing and all kind of work that they're going to need um, to, to fully heal from what's happened to them. I think the fact that this went on for so long is also what is so troubling about this. He faced up to 50 years and yeah. got a massive discount yeah. for I, I don't know why even his apology or I wouldn't even say well I guess he said I've learned so much about the underage minors with whom I've paid to have sex with that doesn't help me feel like there's justice I've learned so much about them mm. who cares not a day will go by that I don't think about them and I just think oh that's creepy what I did and the impact on their lives well hopefully that that part um, I mean, that seems reasonable. He says he takes full 
ample responsibility for what I've done. What is ample responsibility? That's like he's taken enough responsibility but yeah. and, and wants to become a good, decent person and a good father and to help others. And we do know that uh, the courts look at that. You know, the fact that he's a father, the fact that he now shows remorse, has the an understanding. The fact that he's a father and he didn't abuse his own children, yeah. you think got well, him some of a discount? <laughs> and, you know, some, and they, that he understands or at least appears to understand the gravity of what he's done. They do take that account to sentencing, but... I, I um, guess. Uh, Here was the other thing. that uh, If he had really taken full responsibility, he was willing to take responsibility, would he have allowed his defense attorneys to say things like, or remember they, they had this um, doctor, psychiatrist, therapist, something like this, some expert call in to the sentencing hearing yeah. and say that he only had a mild or weak case of pedophilia. Mm. And that that's supposed to make things better. Well, First of all, that doesn't even really exist in the manual, the, the DSM. Yeah. Um, mild or weak case yeah. of pedophilia. So does that really show he's taking full responsibility if he's trying to defend yeah, himself well, that I, way? I mean, for, I give him a pass on that because I think your attorneys no, your attorneys do have to defend you vigorously. And if it, they come up with a theory that can get you less time, it, it, I think you just leave it up to them to handle the legal parts of the case. But then that goes against but, I'm taking full responsibility. I'm not yeah. taking full responsibility because I only am a, like a little bit of a child molester and... Uh, and I'm going to say that I did this because I stopped eating. Yeah. Because I, mean, I stopped eating. It's a ridiculous eating. argument, but yeah, I think he would, be, you know, at the end of the day, I think he's someone that wants to not be in jail. And so I think he wanted his attorneys to do whatever they could to make sure. Um, yeah, and, and those kids who's, he, who, who he watched doing pornography, he received porn, yeah. th- those kids probably didn't want to be victimized either. He made a right. choice, and he said he didn't think about it. Well, he had a long time to think about it oh, because yeah. he had, was doing this kind of thing, engaging in this activity yeah. for a really long yeah, time. several years. So I, I don't know. I have very little sympathy. For some reason, I, I cannot I don't find it sen- within myself to see that. I don't have sympathy that, about the 15 years, but whether or not he should have gotten more. I think 15 years seems appropriate. Um, I, I just, I really want to know what they do in the prison system. Like, why is that 15 years? How is that going to change this person so that when they come out, they come out as a I fully I mean, he might be out on member. parole in 13 years. Yeah. So, well. I... I that this does not this does not restore my faith in the justice system. But at I think all. it would if we knew exactly what was happening. Do you know, like if we knew that there was a thirteen year plan to rehabilitate this guy and who's gonna see psychiatrists and we knew that this was a standard thing. I think if it was a standard thing we, you and I would know about it. Oh no, I'm saying that would be great. We would feel better about it. So yeah. I think we do need to look at our prison system and just decide whether it is yeah. retributive or rehabilitative. Yeah. And I, I he it, he had lost weight for a long time, so he yeah. had dealt with this compulsive eating thing a long time ago, yeah. and then it morphed into something else, which that I have heard of, yeah. that if you have like a an emotional issue or problem and you cover it with food, yeah. or sometimes people cover it with like smoking, yeah. right? And then they stop smoking, and then they eat a lot. The problem is you didn't seek help for that. Right. So yeah. there were many signs, and it's not like he didn't have the money to get help, yeah. you know, Sorry, I don't feel bad for this guy at all. Um, but here's somebody I do feel bad for. Yeah. My favorite weatherman, <laughs> Al Roker of the Today Show, says he was skipped over uh, by a taxi cab driver who preferred to pick up the white guy down the street. Yeah, in New York City, where we know that they've always had, they've had a long history of these sort of complaints. Yeah, so he started tweeting off a storm. The first one was my favorite, though. He said... Um, 
Well, now I can't even find it. What did I do with it? Oh, here we go. Filed a complaint today after getting passed up again by a New York City yellow cab. Cabbie picked up a white guy a block away. Here's my favorite part. Wonder why Uber wins? Yeah. Nice dig there. I think there. he took a, yeah, took a shot. So he did file a complaint, and I, I don't know if it's because he's Al Roker or just because everybody gets addressed this quickly, but the, the what is this uh, agency that the takes... The Taxi and Limousine Commission? Yeah, so yeah. they... Uh, came out and said, yep, the guy owes a fine of like $500 or he can request a hearing. For his part, the driver, um, Mahubar Raman, Raman, says that he never saw Roker uh, and and that this is all a misunderstanding. So it appears that he's going to go for the the hearing route. Yeah, which which is a lot more dangerous for him because if he's found guilty in the hearing, he faces a one-year suspension of his license. Uh, yeah, he, because this is not the first time. Apparently in May, uh, he settled a similar allegation, although we don't know if it's race-related, for $200. And so if he gets another one within, I think, the same year or two, it's a like a $1,000-plus penalty and uh, like a month's suspension from his driving privileges if he's found guilty. So, yeah, that's uh, it's a pretty stiff penalty for it. And let's note, because I, I thought to myself, how did Al Roker know that the guy passed him by? But Al Roker did note on Twitter as well that he reached, the guy slowed down or stopped and he reached for the handle and then the guy saw the other guy on the corner and, and then proceeded on to that guy. Right. So I would have bought the story of I didn't see him if the guy just drove by. Yeah. That I would understand. But if he was stopped enough yeah. for Al to reach for the door and right before he's able to open the door, the guy guns it. Yeah. Um, even, you know, Al Roker's 13-year-old son who was there, apparently, according to these tweets, was like, what was that for? Yeah. Uh, it was very noticeable. That to- he stopped and then he went to, to another um, passenger. Yeah, so that, for me, I don't, I mean, listen, Al did lose a lot of weight a couple of years ago. He's a smaller man. Maybe there's less of him to see, but it would be <laughs> very difficult for me to understand how you he, he, he stopped just randomly in front of Al Roker and then didn't see him at all. It, it's a tough story for me to with this child, to buy. yeah, yeah. So, I, I, I hope that we don't hear. Well, I hope that we don't hear about these stories again because they stop happening. But but it does seem like the the TLC the commission is taking care of it and they're yeah. proactive. So and of course, Uber used this as an opportunity to say we have policies against this. This would never happen. <laughs> so, uh, and then finally, Sherry Shepard lost her appeal to. I guess get rid of the child support that she was going to pay for this child that was born to a surrogate. So this happened like a year or so ago where her and her husband could not naturally conceive a child. Um, they tried, I think, I think they tried IVF. Her eggs were not viable. So they elected to have a donor egg and her husband's sperm be implanted into a surrogate, mm-hmm. and then about five months into that pregnancy, the marriage apparently fell apart, and then Sherry did not want to have anything to do with the child or to pay for it. So she tried to get the um, contract, the surrogacy contract, to be found null and void, essentially. Right. And and she is saying that she was fraudulently induced into it. That it was some sort of scheme or plan by her husband to have this baby so that should they break up, he would be able to get child support. Right. So, I mean, if he 
you know, Lamar Sally is, is her ex-husband's name, really did do that. That is really obviously messed up. But then we can't penalize the child because the child was already in existence. She knew what she was signing up for. She was signing up for a child and a lot of money to go pay down. And, I mean, she knows how expensive wh- children are. She has one already. And whether or not you get mar- I mean, you get um, you get pregnant naturally or through surrogacy, there's always a chance the marriage could fall apart, and you don't get to say, "Oh, well, uh, I'm sorry." The the baby that I was trying to have to save the marriage or improve the marriage is no longer mine. And, and I think that's the sad thing in this the story that I can see is that it's obvious that she didn't want a baby for the baby's sake. She wanted a baby for her marriage's Maybe sake. Maybe to kind of yeah create that family unit. And then you know this marriage fell apart five months in. I mean, I doubt that everything was hunky-dory and then five months in, one day bam, everything was going downhill. There were probably problems to begin with and this child may have been used as sometimes yeah, children I, are to save a marriage and then when it was obvious that it wasn't going to work, she wanted out. Yeah, and I like Sherry Shepard, so it was kind of a disappointing to hear that she was like, you know. I mean, I would be really pissed if I found, I, I mean, I don't know what grounds she has to believe that Lamar, like, induced her into this contract just so that he would always have this meal ticket via child support. Um, I, I would really, really okay. be upsetting to me too, but this this child can't be the victim of yeah, the child would never have been created had she not signed off on this. Right, you know? that's and exactly what the judge said. When it comes to said. children, there's no take backs. So. Right. <laughs> no yeah. take backs, no yeah. get back. So now she, the way I see it, she's got really two options. Yeah. She's she can lower her income and lifestyle such yeah. that she cannot afford a what is it like four thousand dollar child support, yeah. and then ask the court to reduce it. Or she can start to get custody, at least shared partial custody. Which would reduce her. But as she makes more money, they, he may go back to court and ask for more, you know, more child support if she has any significant earnings that, you know, in the future. So which way, if you had to guess, will this play out? Well, I, I would hope that she decides to go for joint custody of this child. I mean, she, the child was created with her contemplation that she would be raising this to some degree. Um, so I would hope that she would step up and do the right thing. It's a bizarre case, but one for our modern times, and I hopefully she steps up and takes care of her child. Yeah. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. Have a happy Thanksgiving, and don't forget to join us next week on another episode of Justice is Served. From executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, We would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us, info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live, Scipio, Instagramming, at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. Hollywood Redefined. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.